Hello, and welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. My name is Paul Roberts, and I'm editor-in-chief at the Security Ledger in this week's episode of the podcast number 227. Companies that, that operate in support of farming um, that really haven't focused heavily on security, haven't thought of themselves as a target, and they're not. They're not specifically a target, but they may be using tools and systems that are being targeted by ransomware actors. There's trouble on the farm. Recent weeks have seen an increase in attacks on elements of the U.S. food production system. Most famously, there was the meat processor, JBS, which paid an $11 million ransom in June to criminals from the Revil Group to regain access to hacked systems and data. Then, September brought news of still more attacks on critical food supply chain partners. The New Cooperative, an Iowa grain cooperative with more than 60 locations, was hit by ransomware operated by Black Matter, a Russian ransomware group with connections to Darkside, the cybercriminal outfit that was responsible for the attack on the Colonial Oil and Gas Pipeline back in the spring. Also in September, the Crystal Valley Cooperative, a Minnesota-based farm supply and marketing cooperative, was hit with ransomware, knocking the company offline and disrupting business operations. And that might not be the end. Threat researcher Alan Liska told the Des Moines Register this week that a ransomware group using the name Blackbite has claimed to have compromised an Arcadia, Iowa-based organization, the Farmers Cooperative Elevator Company, and was threatening to release 100 gigabytes of the cooperative's data if ransom isn't paid within a month. Security Ledger reached out to the Farmers Cooperative, and employees there wouldn't confirm or deny that a ransomware attack had taken place, though there's no mention of it on the company's website or on its social media feeds. If true, though, it would indicate that attacks on U.S. agriculture and the U.S. food supply chain are becoming more common. How are these attacks happening and why are they happening now? To help us understand that, we invited that same security researcher, Alan Liska of the firm Recorded Future, into the Security Ledger Studios for a conversation. In this podcast, recorded last week, Alan and I discussed the attack on the new cooperative in Iowa and why grain cooperatives suddenly find themselves in the crosshairs of Russian ransomware groups. We also talk about the steps that need to be taken throughout the agriculture sector to secure critical food supply chain players. To start out, I asked Alan about the attack on the new cooperative and what we knew about it. Alan Liska, intelligence analyst at Recorded Future. And Alan, welcome back on the Security Ledger podcast. I think we've had you on before. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. Thank you. So we're talking to you because Recorded Future has done some interesting research and written about this attack that happened on a cooperative, a agricultural cooperative called New Cooperative that is based in Iowa. Um, and this was a ransomware attack um, that potentially had a very large Im- has a very large impact in, in that this co-op is uh, you know again part of the U.S. food chain, so to speak. What can you tell us about how Recorded Future kind of became aware of this incident and who's behind it and and what exactly happened here? Yeah, you know, what what happened was from our perspective, we monitor. Virus Total and other places for new samples of different types of ransomware uh, variants that are out there so we can track what's populated, um, what's growing, what's shrinking, et cetera, find new types of ransomware. This uh, particular sample from this ransomware attack had been uploaded to Virus Total either Friday or maybe early Saturday. Um, 
And so we had analyzed it. And one of the things that Black Matter, um, who is the ransomware group behind this, done is each ransomware attack included a custom note with basically a link to a, a portal page on, on their uh, ransomware extortion site, uh, their, their dark web extortion site. And so when you clicked on the link, you could see who the victim was, what kind of data was going to be released, how long until that data was going to be released. And then you could log in and chat with the, uh, with the ransomware actor. And that is... Mm. The idea being that this is how the victims would go in. They'd negotiate uh, ransom payment and, and so on with the actors in that portal. So in theory, anybody who had the sample could could log into that portal as well. Which is what appears has happened. Um, that's correct. <laughs> okay. so, Which might, might complicate negotiations. And, and, that's, and that's unfortunately exactly what happened, you know, um, uh, uh, sort of more responsible researchers knew this information, knew it was there, and were, were, were conducting analysis on it. There were some irresponsible people that decided it'd be fun to jump into the chat and insult the ransomware actor's mother and other things. Not going to lie, very funny. The problem is, you know, there's a real victim on the other end of this, and, you know, going in and doing that interferes with their ability if they needed to pay the ransom it interferes with their ability to negotiate how is that different from how ransomware negotiations are typically managed i mean my understanding is not unusual for these ransomware families um, to have portals associated with them and for the victims to get you know basically credentials or um, you know links that they need to communicate with basically customer support how, how is this a different different from that, from earlier uh, ransomware families? So, uh, you I mean, you're absolutely right. There, there are basically two ways that ransomware actors negotiate with victims, either over email communication or through these uh, uh, chat apps that they set up on the ransomware extortion sites. The difference is honestly just poor security from the Black Matter ransomware group making that so publicly accessible that anybody could go not only to that customized portal site, but then could initiate the chat. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that is bad security on their part. And now that everybody knows that that capability is there, what you would see now, they've, they've since implemented some security features. Um, but what you would normally see in a case like that would be just a rush of, unfortunately, idiots that are going to go yeah. and mess with the negotiation. Just troll. Yeah. Right. Um, so so Black Matter, this group, um, from what I've read, uh, there appear to be links between Black Matter and a um, even more well-known group, Dark Side, which was a group believed to be responsible for Colonial Pipeline hack and a bunch of other attacks. Um are, are those links for real? And if so, what do we know about Black Matter and uh, its links to Darkseid? Yeah. So Black Matter and Darkseid are the same. Um, the, uh, <laughs> <Okay. That's that. laughs> they'll deny it. They'll say, no, no, we're, we're kind of a, a new breed of ransomware, blah, 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 blah. They're the same. The code base, uh, MCSoft did some really good analysis of the code base and the code base is not identical, but it's functionally the same. 
Um, the, the website uses a lot of the same design tools. Um, it, it's essentially this, it, it is the same actor from one to the other. And, and the reason that they are trying to pretend that they're not is when they went into, and I know you can't see air quotes on the podcast, but when they went into retirement earlier, they screwed over a lot of their affiliates, uh, just left, yeah. took the money, didn't pay, blamed it on the U.S. government for taking all of their stuff, which was not the case. Um, and so there was a lot of anger at them all, uh, on these underground forums. And today, if you're going to run a successful ransomware campaign, you need to have a ransomware as a service. So you need to have affiliates and coming back and trying to rebrand is a way to attract new affiliates. Really interesting. Yes, I remember after Colonial, there was some Bitcoin seizure, although my understanding or my recollection is it was from a dark side affiliate, not from the main ransomware group itself, that the, the, the wallet that got raided. Um, well, we believe that's correct, yes. Yeah. Um, and so you're saying this is basically the same group of actors, but rebranded to try and um, maybe just whitewash that unfortunate history um, with their with their own affiliate network. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like when a company does really bad, horrible things and they come back with a new yeah. name and hope that nobody notices. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, I've written, we've written about uh, uh, agricultural sector risk, which is, I think, starting to get the attention of, you know, regulators and the government, as well as obviously cybersecurity folk like yourself. Um, what can you tell us about um, the attack on this um, co-op, new cooperative in Iowa? And um, to the best of your knowledge, how did this all go down? We don't know yet. We, we yeah. don't have that information. I know there was a report published after the ransomware attack suggesting that there were a number of exposed credentials on underground forums uh, of, for new cooperative employees. Um, but we don't know if that was the entry point. Um, what is interesting is in the same week, but by a different ransomware group, there was another farming cooperative that was hit with ransomware and that's Crystal Valley out of yeah. Minnesota. Seeing two farming cooperatives in a week is suspicious. So there may be a common tool or system that farming cooperatives use that has a, you know an unknown vulnerability or an unpatched vulnerability that we're not aware of yet. That's a possibility. It could just be a random coincidence because ransomware attacks have really accelerated in the last month, mm -hmm. and we've seen just you know we, we've gone from you know a couple of hundred a couple of hundred victims uh, posted to ransomware extortion sites to now four, 500, 600 um, a month that, that are happening very quickly. So there's definitely been an acceleration in ransomware attacks. And, you know, they're running out of big targets. And so they're, they're looking downstream for other targets to go right. after. Right. So this may not be a uh, specific focus on agriculture or even these co-ops so much as just, um, just searching for targets, that any target, basically. And from what I understand, these co-ops really function within the farming industry, agriculture industry, almost like like banks. They both um, accept crops from farmers and then sell them downstream to uh, manufacturers and feedlots and so on. So they are pretty critical 
distribution partners as in, in the whole food chain. So my guess is highly sensitive to uh, downtime and, and uh, disruptions like this. Right. And as as far as we've heard, um, much like you hear about in hospitals after a ransomware attack, the cooperatives have managed to continue operating, um, but they are doing so using pen and paper instead of their normal computer systems and so on. So we, we don't think there's going to be a disruption to harvest and uh, the grain storage and so on, but there may be a slowdown as they you know have to move from their traditional pen and paper you know traditional computer to pen and paper that's always going to re- result in a slowdown the implications i'd say for the u for for the country and and obviously for the government are much larger though um, which is you know again we we've seen two of these in uh, a week and then there was the uh, fbi warning that went out earlier this month that referenced some some other attacks on farms not cooperatives um, that um, that were disruptive as well. What is the message to uh, the agriculture sector, I guess, and and in all of its forms about uh, cyber risk? And, and you know, just to give you an idea, there was a, a VK Intel on Twitter posted um, an advertisement on an underground forum where uh, somebody was selling access to uh, to another farming company. So this is a, a real area of concern right now. Yeah. Um, we don't know the name of the farming company. Yeah, I'm sure there are teams that are working on trying to figure that out. It's a, a sign that there are vulnerabilities out there that can be exploited in these farming companies and, and these food providers. And it, it sort of follows a pattern of what we've seen where like, you know, earlier this year, we saw a run up in the number of manufacturing companies that were hit by ransomware attacks because a lot of manufacturing companies hadn't focused on security. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of open vulnerabilities. And we think the same thing is happening with these farming companies and these co-ops and, and, and other companies that, that operate in support of farming um, that really haven't focused heavily on security, haven't thought of themselves as a target, and they're not. They're not specifically a target, but they may be using tools and systems that are being targeted by ransomware actors. These kind of third-party risk, these common platforms that, that these various industries have come to rely on and that themselves are vulnerable, sort of hack, That's hack, hack once, you know, extort many type model. <laughs> Yeah, and that's exactly it. Yeah, and that's that's what we think may be happening. Again, it's very early. We don't have a lot of the details yet. Um, Yeah, so we're hoping that we'll get some reporting. That compromise would have would have been prior to the deployment of the the ransomware. So you're you're not able to look at the ransomware and figure out how they actually got into that co-op. That would be that would have occurred previously. I guess is what you're saying. Right, exactly. So, and, and I think this is important for, for people listening to understand is there are usually two groups involved in these ransomware attacks. There are the groups that are called the, the IAVs, the initial access brokers. Those are the ones that do the scanning that, that will exploit whatever um, vulnerability they, they know how to exploit. And then they will turn around and sell that access to the actual ransomware actor, the people that are going to be deploying the ransomware. Sometimes those IIBs do work directly for the ransomware groups. So some ransomware groups like some IBs and say, hey, we just want all of the um, networks that you exploit and we'll pay you a flat rate of whatever per, per exploit. 
But again, those are two separate groups. And so what you're saying is something really important for people to understand that it's not necessarily that Black Matter did this or had anything to do with the exploitation. They, they likely purchased that access to that network from somebody else who's doing the exploitation. There has been a lot of insinuation because Black Matter and before them Darkseid are apparently Russian speaking and the malware is written you know, with Russian language comments and so on. So connections to the country of Russia. And of course, there's always suggestions or implications that there may be ties between the group and the Russian government or the Russian intelligence community. Do we know whether there is uh, such a connection? And, and I guess the corollary to that is folks have sort of looked at these attacks and said, well, I guess, you know, the Biden administration's uh, saber rattling about, you know, staying away from critical infrastructure is being ignored. Um, should, should people make that presumption um, based on this? Or, you know, are these groups really pretty much acting independent of any, you know, uh, government directive or, or uh, objective? I think the Biden administration has said it very well that they, we don't have any evidence that these ransomware groups that are Russia-based or part of the CIS countries based coordinate directly with the Russian government at the same time, Russia allows them to operate. Russia doesn't crack down on their activity. So we don't know of any connections and there may not be any direct connections between the government, but surely the government's aware of the activity. Um, again, they may be aware of it after the fact, but they're aware of it um, and aren't taking steps to stop it. And, and as far as you know, the them being uh, going after critical infrastructure, like most people, they may not have thought they were going after critical infrastructure because a co-op. What's that? You know, like right, exactly. <laughs> so nobody, uh, you know, before Monday, most people had never heard of new co-op, much less would have thought of it as critical infrastructure until you understand what all is encompassing in that ag agricultural critical infrastructure. Um, now, on the other hand, as you know, as, as been pointed out many times, in the we saw in the initial negotiations where uh, Black Matter said that you know, well, it's not critical infrastructure. Some jackass in Russia doesn't get to dictate whether or not <laughs> yeah, it's right. critical infrastructure or not. The government has said it is, right. so it is. Yeah. Do Do we know where things stand right now between new new co op and the ransomware gang? Whether there has been any payment or any movement on on uh, the negotiations? So, I it, to the best of my knowledge, there's been no payment. Um, you know, we may find out later there was one, and we just didn't know about it. Um, it, it does seem like, uh, from everything that I've heard that they are, uh, uh the new co-op is working on restoring from backup, getting the files up and running and, and, you know, trying to bring all the services back online. Um, so unless, unless, uh, black matter has stolen some particularly sensitive farm data or they, they engaged in destructive activities uh, while they were in the network. I, I know there were some threats to the, the soil monitoring software application that, uh, that new co-op has in, in those chats. So unless they actually carried those out, there may not be a reason for them to pay a ransom.
Um, final question. I mean, do you see a role here for uh, CISA, DHS, uh, maybe the um, even the agriculture department um, in helping these organizations? Or is this sort of a, you know, boil the ocean, you know, public, public health campaign type approach that we need to take just to raise everybody's cybersecurity within all of these various uh, agricultural supply chain uh, organizations? Well, in the chat, um, the new co-op did say they had reached out. This is already. Um, and, and and my feeling is. It's a really interesting chat. And, and again, we're assuming that this is actually, you know, new co-op, but, but it seems like it probably is where they're saying basically like, hey, you know, we're basically colonial pipeline. We may not seem like it, but we are. And so you, you better sort of, you know, give us a break on this because otherwise the government's going to be breathing down your neck. Um, that, that's kind of the tone of the message. Um, I'm not sure it was very effective as a negotiating technique, but it's interesting that they took that tack in, in their, in their conversations. Right. And it clearly wasn't. Um, and, 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 <laughs> it's and, and the, I think, shot, I guess. But. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and, and, and I think the first couple of, of chats that were released that, that were shared publicly, um, were legitimate, and then you know after those, everything else is questionable up to the kind, end. Kind where of it's just sideways, yeah. Clearly, trolls. Um, that being said, I do think that there is a responsibility if CISA or DHS is going to declare something to be critical infrastructure and have certain requirements for uh, for those critical infrastructure companies. I do think there's some level of responsibility for protection. I don't know what that should be. That's why I'm not in the government. Um, but I do feel like you can't just say, oh, you're critical infrastructure. You have to meet these, whatever, 20 additional uh, security features and then not do something to help support that. Alan, uh, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. Um, really appreciate you taking the time on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, of course. Anytime I can help out, I'm always glad to chat with you. Well, we'll do it again. Alan Liska is the head of CERT at the, at the firm Recorded Future. He was talking to us about the string of recent ransomware attacks hitting farm country.